Hi, this is Victoria Schnepps, the publisher and president of Schnepps Media. We are 70 media outlets strong, online and in print. And today we're doing our Power Women podcast by interviewing the very powerful Anne Conroy, who is the president of Douglas Elliman, Long Island Division, both residential and commercial. Hi, Anne. How are you? Hi, Vicki. How you doing? I'm doing great. I wanted to ask you, Anne, you know, um, all of us grow up in different worlds, but I do believe that something in our childhood influenced us to be who we are today. I'm a big believer both in DNA and the environment in which we grew up. So I wanted to ask you, tell me about your influencers in your early life, in your childhood. Did you have particular mentors or people you admired? You know, um, in my early life, with the formative years, as they say, um, it was the uh, family nucleus. My mom and dad, uh, they worked like a team. My mom had a part-time job, obviously. She had three daughters. I was the baby, Mm. six years younger than my oldest sister. And uh, she was like the ever-ready rabbit. And she probably was the strongest and most tenacious woman that I know to this day. Uh, but very, very happy to be the matriarch of a family. And my dad was out there working hard all the time. Both of them had these great sense of humors and very kind, and it was a stable and safe environment. So when I was out there doing whatever I was doing, whether it's school or playing sports or whatever it was, you know, you just have that feeling of safety and love, which really does make a difference. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's a security blanket. Yeah. And um, it helps you grow and do what you need to do and know that uh, you have a home base to go home to and you could be anybody you want to be. And that's how they were. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, lived with us. And she just was always there. You know, she never left the house. She was always there. So um, there's something to be said about having that uh, security and safety. I don't think the children really get that today. I know my kids didn't. I was out working, and they were bouncing uh, from one babysitter to another for, for many times. But I think I was probably the luckiest person on the face of the earth, and that's how I feel to, to this day. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn. Where? I grew up in Brooklyn, too. Well, we started out at, in an area called Dyka, Dyka Heights. I well, Dyka Heights, excuse me, is a very famous area. In fact, yes, you know, that's the Christmas light world, and they just passed a law that vendors cannot come and sell to all the thousands of tourists. The vendors were filling up the streets and the tourists yeah. to come see the Christmas tree light, the homes lit up for Christmas. It was amazing. I used to, I used to love, at the end of the summer, right before school started, They used to have the big St. Bernard, that was the parish at the time, had this big bazaar. And the, and the streets were closed off, and, I mean, kids ran amok in those days. Let's face it, there was no play dates, and everybody just ran around and did what they had to do. And um, it was just like the safest place in the world to live. And it's funny because that's probably not the um, memories most people have of Brooklyn, but uh, it was a nice little enclave, and it was really, really a great place uh, to grow up. Well, you know, it's still that way. Uh, my friend Pat Domingo, who runs, uh, she's on TV in Hot Bench, Oh, I know her, yeah. Well, Pat is from Diker Heights, and her family, her father was, you know, a dentist there. And uh, she's gone back. She's keeping the family home because, you know, the the community of Diker, ironically, has not changed probably since you were a little girl. Maybe there's more traffic on the streets. 
But that sense of community at Diker is still as strong as it was days back. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, there I are. I call. Back, I only went back once, uh, and uh, I drove. You know, I drove down the street, and I. I used to. I used to live in a, a brick house. It was a three-family home, and I thought that guy lived in this mansion, right? So, as an adult, I go back and I say, "Oh my God, that's such a little house! Uh, you know, I had three families live in that house." Was the family in the other apartments, or who was? No, it? no. My dad. Uh, you know, he was uh, very. Um, economical that way and you know it, it helped him live in a neighborhood that he would not have been able to afford had it been a one-family house so he was very resourceful so was my mom well I think you know that um, I call those my time warp neighborhoods and I think Diker more than any other community you know even Bay Ridge has changed a lot because the Norwegians have moved out of Bay Ridge and we see a growth in the Arab communities around um, Bay Ridge. But Diker, Diker has stayed that same way it was for the last 50 or 60 years. That's funny. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's a great Spumoni Gardens down there that people come to. Oh, my God, to. yes, absolutely. See, I it was a name it. from your childhood. And, and Brendan Carr, I mean, I, I, that was in Flatbush a little bit. But everybody, you know, when you lived in Brooklyn, you, you lived in every neighborhood, didn't you? So. Oh, well, no, no, I think, though, no. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. Section and oh, nice. my world I went to was King's. College, so oh, okay, I, I well. right. And you know, my neighborhood was King's Highway. Oh. And you know, when I was getting married, I got married, engaged in nineteen. I had to live along the BMT subway line because I didn't have a car. How was I going to see my mother? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know, that was my little world. And, you know, I think people were much more provincial in those days than they are for today. Sure. Oh, for sure. But Diker has stayed Diker. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do now in your wonderful position. I love the title, President. Well, you know. I, How did you earn it? <laughs> I, 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 I never really cared about titles, to tell you the truth. I just No, but I'm sorry. I, I have to interrupt you because I think it's very important that women can break through a glass ceiling and be president of companies because there's still too few. So wear the title with pride. I'm a president and I wear it with pride and you should too. <laughs> well, I do wear it with pride, but I don't think uh, a title gets you to where you need to go. I think uh, I know many leaders in this world to do a lot of great things that don't have titles, right? So, um, but basically I'm in charge of the NASA Suffolk North Fork and uh, Queens areas for the company. The Hamptons was carved out because basically it's, for the most part, it's a resort marketplace. And so I am, uh, and it's a, it's very diverse, you know, Long Island is very diverse. You have very diverse in terms of price points and neighborhoods. So I, we could go from the first time home buyer right up to the retiree and luxury. And so it's really, really keeps, it certainly keeps your interest and no two marketplaces But what are brought alike. you to real estate? What well, it was typical that, uh, you know, I was in the uh, corporate world. I worked for a Fortune 500 company out, out of uh, college. I was American Standard at the time. And in those days, you stopped and had your family. And I was miserable at home. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I just was miserable after the kids were born. So when my youngest went into kindergarten, I decided I had to get out there. And I loved real estate. And this is really what I got from my parents. My mom and dad bought and sold houses over the years, right? Ah. So, so uh, and I, would, I was, like I said, six years younger than my sister. And 
they would drag me around. What were they going to do with me? And they would drag me around. And, buy, and it was a lot of times new construction and going through that with the with the builders. I don't want to call them developers in those days because they were probably spot builders. But and so I just fell in love with the uh, with the uh, whole industry. And then finally, when I was really looking for you know a kind of a business that I could because I loved the business world that I could have flexible hours mm. uh, and not take away from what my sons what they needed me for I looked into it and I have to tell you from the day I walked into the first office it was Maryland Realty at the time it was in Sable New York right the first day I walked into that office I fell in love. Aww. I felt, I mean, it was just the greatest business in the world. Not only did I love the business, it loved me. Interesting. And, you know, it just, it it, like you said, fit. when you love what you do, you never felt like you were working. The first check I got, I said, my God, they even pay me to do this, you know. So uh, it was really just a business that I just loved. I loved the people. Everybody used to warn me, you're not going to love them for long after this business, but I loved them even more. And uh, I saw what I... I what I could do for my family too. So it just was just the, the, for me, anyhow, it was the greatest business in the world. And it was not flexible hours, except if you think flexible hours is 24 seven, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, but it was, it was really, uh, I'm glad I chose it. Never looked back, never had one regret that I chose it. And uh, very happy. I didn't have to trek into the city and put on a corporate pair of shoes (laughs) and uh, do the, the nine to five or whatever it was. So, well, I think, you know, this being a mother and a businesswoman, I started my newspapers in my living room because I had four children. And what was I going to do punching a clock someplace? It couldn't work. So and I you, wonder if anybody, if we could live in that kind of environment anyhow where, you know, you had to um, not kind of like cut out the all the rules and policies and all that. And, you know, I love the entrepreneurship of real estate. You know, you can, as long as you follow the law, you have so much latitude to really grow a business and come up with some creative ideas. You know, it's it's really an incredible business for those people who fall in love with it. So tell me a little bit about the real estate market now. Has the tax changes made an effect on pricing or has it had an effect in terms of the kinds of sales that are going on now? Well, when Saul first was uh, uh, put into place, I was very arrogant about it. And any publisher would call me, I would say, you know what, it's really not going to, what are you going to do? It's not going to affect anybody. If they have to be here, if they work here and they have to live here, you know, that that's just, you know, that's, they're going to have to deal with it. So I was really arrogant about it. But guess what? I was wrong. Mm. And I'm the first to admit I was wrong. The luxury market and the people that I thought would never get affected by it, never care about it because basically they were with the alternative minimum tax, I figured, you know what, the salt isn't going to hurt anybody. Well, it did. And it gave people a pause. What is this? Share with me, what would be considered the luxury market? What price point? Well, I would say anything like a million five and eight and up. Okay. There was a pause there. People started to think. Those people who could move their business, uh, if they were mobile, uh, I think we probably lost 2% 2 or 1% of people who said, let me go to the states that aren't so high in taxes. Uh, Even President Trump just moved because of that. (laughs) One of the reasons. One of the many, right? But but I think then things settle down, and we learn. You know, you learn to live with it. What you you can't change it. uh, As as hard as some people are trying, I think that what it did was it it created a little downward pressure on prices in the luxury, and so those prices came down a bit. 
And, uh, you know, there's always the disconnect between what the seller expects to get for his home and what a buyer is willing to pay for the home. And so that caused a, a, the, the market was still there, but it slowed it down a lot. And so I think that's the market that got hit the hardest because of salt. And that was the market that I said would not be affected by salt. So I was 100% wrong about that. Well, I think it, time, it, tells. Time, time tells. Share with me a little bit about, I, I want to talk, um, your success has been tremendous. And I wanted to have you share with my listeners what are your secrets to success? What advice would you give other women to, from my perspective, be as successful as you are today? I think you have to be authentic. You know, I, I think you have, I always say I've worked through my life with a philosophy and a set of core values, and they could be different from person to person, but the minute you start deviating from that is when you hit rough a rough patch. You know, decision-making is easy if it's not arbitrary. You know, you have core values, you have a philosophy, you go through life with that. The people around you, the people who report to you directly, your senior team, your management team, most of the time they know your answer before they even ask because mm. there's that consistency and that reliability. And I tell every, from the day an agent walks into the business for the first time, I say you only have one thing you could take throughout your life, and that's your integrity. Never compromise it. And I think those are the people that truly are the most successful. I think we all feel right now the lack of trust in government and some companies, and it really has shaken us down to our toes. And I think trust is the main thing. You can never have somebody not trust that you're going to do the right thing for the right reasons. Never self-serving. And it's, it's not hard to do, by the way. I think it's very easy to do. I think it's easier to be authentic because you don't have to think about it. <laughs> this is who I am. And I think it's easy. Most of us have a philosophy of life. So um, just don't deviate from it. Don't try to be somebody you're not. A lot of times women try to be, you know, the, their male counterpart. No, be yourself. Uh, that's what people are looking for. They need to rely on you. They they need to be able to go to you and know that your word is your bond. And so I think that is, and of course I love the business, and you said it before, I have such passion for the business. Every day is a new day, uh, and um, it's exciting. I, every day I get up, and I'm happier to be at work, and I hate to say this, than be home. Well, I call it, I call it TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. <laughs> so I think, you know, Anne, it's been wonderful talking with you. We've been sharing the time with this very powerful, very warm, very loving, very caring, very professional Anne Conroy, who is the president of the Long Island Division of Douglas Elliman Real Estate. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for your time. This is Victoria so Schnepps signing you. off. Power Woman, Anne Conroy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.